0: Let's get started.
1: Hey there, Jeff, and welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast. We are thrilled to have you here today.
2: Well, thank you very much. I am happy to be here and connect with you for sure.
1: Absolutely. So why don't you, if you will, just take a minute and um, just tell us a little bit about your business. And then I want to get into this whole concept of referral marketing because it's something that we talk to our our clients about all the time. And I think there's a real interest in how we can build referral relationships, especially with PCPs and different specialty groups that are out there.
2: Yeah, I'm happy to do so. I'll kind of give you the condensed version. I'll try to keep this 60 seconds or less. So I'm a chiropractor. I was an associate doc. Then I I owned my own practice. Then I joined a large orthopedic group, multidisciplinary. So I joined the group. I get in there the first day. There's tumbleweeds in the office where I think my magical patients are going to be. So I start marketing myself within the group. Well, it took about two days before the marketing team was like, dude, you can't just do whatever you want around here. We have brand guidelines. We have all this other stuff going on. So I thought to myself, well, if I can't externally market, then I need to really take it on my own and market to the docs I'm already practicing with, get referrals from them that was really the seeds is born out of necessity. You know, the seeds of what became the evidence-based chiropractor and where we're going to go, which is, I saw that there was a huge opportunity to build relationships with other docs. I found it to be incredibly stable and I found it to be compounding over time, all of things that I liked. It wasn't to ignore all of the other marketing, but I think it's an area of missed opportunity for a lot of docs that haven't explored it yet.
1: So this this concept of evidence based. So tell our listeners a little bit of about what you're thinking as it relates to to referral business.
2: It's a good question. So I will I will admit I picked the name before like a decade ago before it was even a thing or potentially controversial. Oh, <laughs> it's a
1: thing right now. Yeah. <laughs>
2: the way that I view it is this: is that. I have found one of the best ways, and here's the application to referrals, is that I've found some of the best ways to build referral relationships is not necessarily to offer another doctor a coupon. It's ultimately to showcase the benefits that you can provide for their patients, or another way to think about it, the benefits you can provide for your patients that happen to be currently in their office, right? With a compliment, with complimentary providers. So one of the ways we found a lot of success to implement that, is through like a quick monthly research update, research brief. Not the full paper, you're not trying to punish them, but we have kind of three legs of the stool, research, case notes, and meetings, and research and the evidence of what you do. It doesn't mean everything needs to be tied to an RCT that's you know peer reviewed and double blinded, but what it does mean is that you're standing behind uh, who you are, what you do, and you're showcasing to the best of your ability what you do, how it can benefit the people in their practice.
1: I think that's, I think that's, that's a great approach. I'm evidence-based is hot on my mind. I've been doing a bunch of like we're pivoting with a bunch of our clients trying to do like online CEUs for a bunch of different associations. And so everything's evidence-based that we have to, when we submit for the credits. Okay. So for walk me through, if I'm a practice and I'm looking to build kind of these referral relationships and kind of open the spigot for referrals, what are the kind of like some key tips that you might offer? Maybe a doctor that's just starting out.
2: Yeah, the first step in anything is defining your target list, right? You need to know who you're going to reach out to. So uh, we sort of walk through everything through multiple modules, everything from building your target list to uh, properly executing a meeting. So the starting point and sort of the big tactical approaches here are, you know, creating a list. We recommend a list of about 50 docs, you know, complementary providers to yourself. And 50 is enough to catch some fish, but not enough to pull you over the boat, so to speak. So, you know, if you can bridge the gap with about 20 to 30 percent, of a list of 50, and those people are referring at least a handful of patients per month, you're going to be doing really great overall for a vast majority of independent practices. So sourcing that list, it's like, well, how do I get 50 names? Well, we recommend, of course, getting them from the people you're already co-managing with. So be sure you're asking your patients who they are seeing within that complementary realm. As a chiropractor, we ask a lot of times, hey, who's your primary care doc? And then we can communicate and coordinate care within the letter of the law, obviously, with our case notes, as long as we have consent and permission. But building that list is step number one. You can also go to WebMD Physician Search, variety of free tools. You can utilize, plug in what kind of doc you're looking for, your zip code. You'll get a full list. But starting out with the people you're actively co-managing with is the best way to go about it. From there, that means you have that spreadsheet of 50. I like to go down those three legs of the stool. So case notes, research, and meetings. So I'm skipping a few of the uh, little steps, but to get to the big pieces of it, we like to send case notes on your examinations and your re-examinations. And the point of them is that they're not going to magically flood your office with referrals, but what they are going to do is build social proof that you exist, that you co-manage, and showcase the results that you get. That's so, so important, and it's a foundational layer. But as you know, you might not co-manage with somebody for a month or two, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. Like you can't, it's indirect control. I like direct control. So that's where the monthly research updates, you get to control that you're delivering one page, single page research updates, research based updates with your branding, et cetera, to these docs one time per month. So you can stay top of mind, which is so critically important. And then step number three, and we can dive into any of these in more detail. Step number three is when you have the opportunity to take a meeting. And meetings should never be about closing or anything else. It should be about building trust and rapport, asking some pertinent questions, having a strategic plan of where you want to go with the conversation, and ultimately showcasing how you can assist them in their practice. As I always say, you never want to take a meeting and then try to tell them everything they never wanted to know about your profession. It's really about learning about who they are and what they're doing with their patients.
1: So when you get this initial list and you figure out you know who your target's going to be, are you saying they need to go out and knock on doors or is there a different way to approach this this relationship?
2: So a couple there's a couple of different ways to go about it. So I like to do what's called verif we call verifying the list, which is just picking up the phone and calling to start. So it might be like a bring, bring, bring. Hey, this is Jeff over at Langmate Chiropractic. Just wanted to verify that Dr. Thompson still practiced at 123 Main Street. And what's the best way to send over case notes? So I'm just simply verifying that I know they're at that address and I'm asking how to send case notes. I'm not asking for the moon. I'm just calling because there's so much consolidation. You don't want to waste time and energy. So once I go through that, just call each one one time and do that. It takes less than an hour. And now you know your Excel spreadsheet is like rock solid. They are where they, you think they are. You know how to send the case notes. From there, what I recommend is your case notes would go out via how they asked, which is 99% of the time going to be fax or email. You send those whenever you do an examination or a re-examination on one of the patients. So those are just ad hoc, right? Whenever you need to. The meetings, you'll then call. We recommend calling about two weeks after that initial call to set up a meeting. And there's some specific scripting that we can dive into with that that I think is pretty powerful. And then sending the research updates. If you have a marketing rep in the field, a monthly research update is a great opportunity for them to have something to do when they swing by uh, and to drop something off. If you do not, then I recommend mailing them physical mail. I don't love email with the research briefs because I don't wanna be up against lower, I want to make sure they get to the doc. And if you hand deliver it or you mail it, it's probably a 90% chance the doc's gonna see it. If you email, probably 20 to 40% and getting docs email addresses sometimes is like easier trying to break into Fort Knox. So uh, so those are sort of the tactical approaches that we take.
1: Yeah, you mentioned faxes and I will say that we've um, we've been doing a ton of telemedicine integrations the last couple of weeks. And everybody's like, well, how do we tell our referral partners? And we went back to the old fashioned fax machine. No, you know, if if there's only one industry that still uses faxes 100% and it is doctors completely. And so, you know, it's easy to pull something out of your EHR, get that list, send them over a fax. And it's a, it's a quick update across the board to let them know that you're still practicing even if it's reduced hours or telemedicine or whatnot. You, so you started to mention, you started to mention scripting. I think that's kind of one of the biggest things. Is, you know, I think that sometimes docs are so focused on getting through and getting, you know, practice open and seeing patients, they're very uncomfortable in selling whatever it is, including selling themselves. So, do you have some tips on scripting of how they might approach that conversation or even how do they get towards the close, whatever that close might look like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say, you know, inscripting scripting is an interesting word, right? Because I think immediately so many docs have like this aversion to it and I'll just call it right out. You shouldn't feel like a robot. Like, you know, the scripting should be a framework for you to know where you want to go. You don't just like I'm in Florida right now. It's not like we're both in Florida. I want to drive to California. I'll just start heading West and hope for the best. Like ideally you'd have some form of a map to know where you want to get to. Otherwise it might be a little bit of a crapshoot. But it's a bizarre world where a lot of docs, including myself, I would start to take meetings. I'd just be like, well, I'm just going to go in and start talking about things. Like, was, there's, that's not a strategy, right? So it's, it's just, it was a poor strategy at best. So from a scripting perspective, I really think it's a framework. And what we recommend, and this is specifically, I'm going to fine tune it to what we do, which is in the musculoskeletal space. But I think everybody will be able to apply it to their own space, which is, you know, we go in with a set of three questions. So when I take a meeting with a doctor, all I'm trying to think of my big wild crazy script is I'm going to ask three questions, and those three questions are: Are you currently seeing a lot of people with spine and musculoskeletal issues? Question number one. Question number two: What are you seeing more of? And question number three is: What do you like to do for them? What's your treatment protocol? So when I ask question number one, do you uh, do you see a lot of people with spine and musculoskeletal issues? I just want to make sure I'm in the right place, and it's usually. If they're on my list, the answer should be an easy start to a conversation, which is yeah, at which point you can say, great, so do we. Step number two, what are you seeing more of? I just wanna get a feel. Are they geriatric based? Are they pediatric based? Are they seeing a little bit of everything? Are they right next to a college and they're seeing all college students? Because as we dive into the third question, I don't wanna be talking about the latest you know, back exercises that are CrossFit related if all they see is geriatrics. You wanna be able to apply your message to the physician and who they're seeing. And then question number three is, what do you like to do for those people? What's your treatment protocol? Because if you're standing there asking that question, you're probably not their number one choice yet, but understanding what is, is super important. And I would argue that once you have the answer to those three questions, you know more about their practice than 99.9999% of other people in the community. So now you can fine tune your message to what are they currently doing? Well, what unique selling, proposition do you have that might be different than what they're doing? Maybe it's complimentary, maybe it's supportive, maybe it's an and instead of an or conversation, but it gives you the opportunity to really connect and have a real conversation instead of, as I said earlier, kind of going in. I feel like a lot of docs, it's like, hey, great to meet you. Let me tell you everything about chiropractic. If they wanted to know everything about chiropractic, they would have been a chiropractor, ask them about their practice and learn and discover what they're currently doing. Once you do that, it's gonna put you in a great position to be able to position yourself.
3: Hey guys, Corey here, co-host of the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast, and I wanted to interrupt this episode just for a minute to tell you about Insight Training Solutions. So Insight Training Solutions is an ongoing employee engagement and training platform for your medical practice, meaning employees can log on and take these medical practice-specific trainings whenever and wherever they are. And each training is meant to increase employee engagement, improve practice reputation, and develop some patient service mindsets. If we're being honest, something that we all know some of the employees may lack. Not uh, calling anybody out by name, But uh, one of the cool things about Insight Training Solutions is they're always developing new content and they just released 10 Steps to a Phenomenal Patient Experience where you'll learn how to create a phenomenal patient experience, strengthen job security, and discover customer service secrets for your entire team. So this course is in addition to the other ones they already have, which include communication across generations and how to understand today's multi-generational workforce and how to develop overall patient experience this is another course the new approach to customer service we've also got eight ways to wow patients and you can sign up for a free trial to see what everything is about uh, at insight solutions.io. that's insight solutions.io or just google insight training solutions you'll be glad you did
1: Yeah, it sounds easier said than done, and it's so simplistic, but, you know, sometimes you just need to go down back to the basics of just basic relationship building, making somebody that you're talking to feel like the most important person in the room, and that's really what that boils down to. How often, so you come back, so you you build a relationship, you build a list, then you go and you start the conversation, and you, you find out more about the doc, and then you start bringing them your research report. How much time do you spend on that relationship if it doesn't start producing results for you
2: (laughs) that's a very good question so i recommend this is more art than science i recommend revisiting your target list biannually so twice, I think that's twice a year, twice a year. I recommend it, checking in on it twice a year. You want to, you know, remember like marketing, uh, like marketing 101, right? People need to have multiple exposures. They used to say seven to nine. Now with the bar bottom of advertising, who knows how many it takes for name recognition to stay top of mind. So you don't want to cut the string too early, um, but you want to be mindful. And the other thing with list churn, so how often do you replace a doc? I'd say you want to replace about five to 10% of your list every year. So you might, you know, that's about the maximum because you don't want to have a new list every six months. Like you really want to give some time. You want to evaluate things. Also, the other important part about this is understanding over a fixed period of time, whether it be six months or a year, how often are you co-managing with a doc? So I'll give you a, for instance, let's say you look in your EHR and you build your target list of 50 docs. You're like, cool, my last 50 patients all gave me the info I need. I built my list of 50. That's a moment in time. You might discover that six months or one year from now that three of those docs you've co-managed 80% of your patients with. And one, it was just that one patient the day before you built your list. I might The docs that I have a ton of co-management with, I might give more leeway. If I don't see a lot from them, I know I'm still getting opportunities. I know I'm still sending case notes. So I'm gonna use a little bit of art more than science to say, okay, is this somebody that is popular with my patients or was it a flash in the pan? And now I'm gonna use my best judgment on what have I gotten a meeting or have I not? Have I seen a referral or have I not? And how often are we co-managing? Those are the three criteria that I look for when I decide if I'm gonna prune my list a little.
1: That's that's great information. So let me ask you this. So so it sounds like a lot of work. So do, one, are you working with somebody? Do you have someone in your team that manages this for you? And two, how do you track the ROI, like truly track it? Because so many times we get junk in, junk out. I know the patient, thinks that their PCP is a certain doctor, but it's not always what gets translated into the paperwork. And so how do you track it and do you have someone helping you?
2: Yeah, you do do the best you can. So I've always run this on my own and now it's sort of my core business. So you know, we're in it kind of day in and day out for docs. Um, And when I was doing it, I mostly ran it on my own. It is pretty simple to do. I mean, there's a lot of steps, it sounds like when you're just getting up and running, but once you really have your list together, a lot of this takes care of itself for the most part. Now, what I will say, you still wanna make sure you have good research, you know, et cetera. So it does take some time to build those things. I'd recommend you reach out to a resource that can help make it easy for you. Most docs probably listening to this are not gonna have the time, honestly, to do all of this themselves. But um, ultimately it's not overly complex. And I will also say, we have seen just as good results with the chiropractors we work with, if they have a staff member doing it, or if they do it themselves. Now, the meetings you want to take position to position. That's at, you know that's relationship building. But a majority of this work, an overwhelming majority, can be executed by a staff member to a very very high level. So in terms of that, that's how I'd answer that component. In terms of the ROI, sometimes that's a little bit more challenging, right? I think you know the, the. I'll say this it's sort of funny and ironic a lot of times say you know how what percentage of your practice is referral based and a doc says well zero well it's pretty easy to track roi (laughs) yeah it's like know, it's only up from here right so and there's so many docs that are in that boat where they really don't have anything to speak of or they might know like oh well i've known you know jim down the street for 20 years okay well if you want to track roi you could say well how much has jim given you historically and then if you start the program how much are you seeing of an increase or most of the time I'll I'll even say to a doc, I'll give you Jim, (laughs) but you know, don't even include him in the ROI. Let's get some other new relationships going. And I call this, we want to turn up the faucets that are already trickling and turn on the faucets that are not. And for most docs, they don't have what I'll call overwhelming referral practices. I think in the orthopedic space that can be a little bit different as they receive referrals from primary care physicians for musculoskeletal issues, especially surgeons or physiatrists, but, there's always more, I can tell you, there's always more meat on that bone.
1: You mentioned systems and processes. So with the evidence-based chiropractor, do you have these processes in place that you're able to teach, not, not even just to the physicians, but to the referral coordinator or somebody that is going to be in charge of this program? Do your, do your, do your programs translate over to other specialties for them?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So historically, we've been really focused on on the chiropractic space. So a lot of our research is actually built a lot around you know musculoskeletal care, not necessarily everything about a manipulation or an adjustment. So there probably is some latitude there, but we're definitely musculoskeletally focused, what I'd say. Now, in terms of the training and how it uh, translates to the staff, absolutely. So when somebody comes on board, one of the things that we, basically how we make it easy is this, is that we have five modules. Module one is like, how do you build your list? Module two is you know case notes module three is research so on and so forth until module five which is follow-up and meetings so all of them have a video an audio component and then underneath it, it has the reports and guides necessary for instance when you're building your list underneath that is a template that has all the columns already preset for to build your target list into case notes we have case notes templates for initial notes discharge notes re-exam notes you name it it's there so on and so forth through every piece of the puzzle. So absolutely. The other thing that we do is I actually hop on a phone call with everybody after their first week for about 30 minutes. It always ends up being 45, but we kind of just hammer through the process A through Z and fine tune it for that practice. A lot of times a referral coordinator or a marketing rep is on that call as well as the doc. Sometimes the doc, it just has uh, the referral uh, rep or the uh, marketing individual running the whole uh, show for them. That's totally cool as well. That's the doc's choice. But yeah, we kind of go through the process step by step. And then we have obviously like a group online, et cetera, for additional support.
1: When somebody is setting up their referral program like from scratch, how, I mean, how much time should they plan to invest in getting it up and going? And then how many months out before they really have a good robust program in place?
2: Yeah, I like to see some some really good traction within 90 days. So I always say, you know, take you wanna have a give it opportunity to get a few touches in, right? Get a few case notes out there, get a few pieces of research, see if you can set up a meeting. So I'd say within ninety days, I like to see an increase, a bump, ROI, however you want to define that. You should see results within 90 days. Now I've had some docs that literally, and this is like your results may vary, so I don't mean to overstate, but like they're called to verify their list. And it just was right time, right place. There was a big need. And they were like, cool, I didn't know you were down the street. Let me, you know, and and they received some people that that's not common. Usually it takes some touches. I'd say about 90 days is a good baseline. In terms of time, I think you probably, it's a good question. I estimate that you look at about an hour or two of maintenance per month with probably about a four to five hour upfront. Now, the one thing I'll say about that is that doesn't necessarily include if you have a rep that's in the field, well, obviously driving time and visiting those offices, you'd add on to that. But if you're talking about all keeping it within your four walls, doing just mailings instead of site visits, et cetera, you can accomplish it in just a couple hours a month.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that I would see this as new docs that are just coming out, trying to build, establish a practice, especially the ones like Right when they're going in for their board certifications or, or looking to make partner and then also docs that have, you know, the practice is kind of like slowed down as a result of the younger guys coming in so I can see kind of two different schools of thought the hungry ones working at themselves. The ones that have been around, you know, pushing this onto the marketing team to get it done for them so So we've talked a lot about referrals, but let's go into like the marketing realm. Are there just a couple of trends or things that you're seeing out there that our listeners should be paying attention to? Because at the end of the day, this is a marketing podcast, but referral marketing is such a big part of the practice. So any trends that you're seeing that we could like little nuggets we can take away?
2: Well, I I think something that that you really focus on within, within Insight that's so important is the patient forward approach is just so key. I think there's uh, there's opportunity in a variety of different ways to market. There's no right or wrong way. There's just inefficient or more efficient or less effective and more effective depending upon the skill set and the time, right? So I hate to kind of put anything in the corner. What I will say is, is I think relationships and, you know, as you as you've spoken of, we were talking offline about telling the patient story and really showcasing the benefits. It's less about look at me and it's more about, How can I help you? And if you position your marketing that way, you're just going to see far better results. I know in the chiropractic space, one of the, I would say, addictions that chiropractors had over the last few years was uh, advertising discount Facebook ads continuously and then being befuddled that their leads didn't turn into new patients Uh, and they were, you know, they got discount patients off discount advertisements and they were confused by it. So, you know, there's there's a time and a place for everything. And, you know, you want, depending upon the time of your career, you might want to pull on different levers, so to speak. But putting that patient-centric or that patient-forward approach, I think, is never going to get old. Uh, The other aspect is consistency. You and I touched on this when we were speaking as well offline, and, you know, really making sure that you stay consistent with your ability to communicate with your patients. That's critically important because those people have the ability to impact other people. Even if you are more of a care, you know, let's say you're a surgeon and, and, and you're saying, gosh, I don't want to see my patients <laughs> eight times. You know, that tells me something's gone askew here. Uh, it still is, they have hundreds of people within their ecosystems. And if you stay in contact with them and keep delivering value, then you really, not just you don't become, well, he's my surgeon, you really become their surgeon, you really become their doctor. And we all know that's the most powerful aspect of marketing is when somebody they know, trust, and like recommends you as a physician. So the more you can do with reviews, with making sure your patient forward, with telling the story, critically important.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tried and true. You always get back to the fundamentals. There's always going to be, you know, bright, shiny objects, new tactics to try. But if you stick to the things that work and just tell the story using the newest tools, that's where you're going to see the biggest bang for your buck. So Jeff, if people want to find out more about you or more about the evidence-based chiropractor, where should they go?
2: Yeah, they can head over to the evidence-based chiropractor.com. That's an easy place to start. If they want to see about anything that I am involved with, they can visit jeff, J-E-F-F Langmaid, L-A-N-G-M-A-I-D.com, jefflangmaid.com or the evidence-based chiropractor.com. And if you have any questions whatsoever, I'm happy to help. It's just jeff at the evidence-based chiropractor.com is my email. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you for joining us, and I'll make sure all of that information is in the show notes, and um, people know where we can find us on the next time on the Doctor Marketing Justice Podcast. Thank you.